good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Really? The following message is transmitted by request of the United States government. Reports are coming in from officials of the Undead Rising. Hi, I'm Meredith. <laughs> and I'm Meg. Give you the old switcheroo on that one. You, <laughs> you thought didn't I was get gonna, me though. You thought you I was didn't gonna, get me though. You thought I was gonna say your name though. I, I did. I, I did. I thought I was going to too, and then I was like, "Two two, done it. Already been there. <laughs> <laughs> done, and, that, done that joke already." <laughs> Okay, continue. And this is the Really Podcast. Or, or is it? Oh my god. It is. It is. Oh, you nearly got me. <laughs> you can tell it is because we played the theme already. Oh, <laughs> that's how. Well, maybe because I'll be the one editing by myself, I might say. Yeah. Oh, Future Megan, I know you're editing this right now. Just remember to take out all the parts that Meredith said all the bad words in. You know, that one part where she said the F word, and she even said the S word, and... Fun. Shimmer. <laughs> Shower. <laughs> anyway, good luck, Future Megan. I believe in you. Anyway, can you believe we've been doing this over a year? That's insane. It really is. Like, do you remember? I mean, we're back at a cell phone right now. But <laughs> <laughs> two steps forward, maybe two or three steps back. <laughs> I know. It's really my fault, but we won't get into that. What we will get into is that we've just been having a lot of fun. Yeah, and we thank you for those who listen. Thanks All for listening. four of you. One of them is me. <laughs> There's more than four. There's more than four. There, yeah, there's like seven. <laughs> well, a lot of our episodes have like double digits listens. Like hefty double digits, might I say. I think oh, yeah. one of them's in like the 30s. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I think two us, of them are. Which is good. Yeah. They should all be. They really should. Listen to our podcast or else. Or else. Or else. <laughs> I say as you're already listening because you just heard me say that. I've cried on this podcast. Have you really? A little bit. I teared up a little bit. Which one? Uh, I remember when we watched The Notebook and (laughs) Rent, and I thought I was going to have to get you a paper bag to breathe in. (laughs) The Notebook was worse. It was horrible. (laughs) I was yelling. I wasn't even crying. I was sobbing. Not a tear shed from me. (laughs) I know. It was weird. Like, I was like, "Mm." But... Oh, the one I cried in was, um, oh God, Stranger Than Fiction, like during. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that, I did cry when we watched that one. That was incredibly sad. What a beautiful film. Honestly. Moving. Very. L- watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It might be on Amazon Prime right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I've cried before the podcast. <laughs> I've probably cried after the podcast. <laughs> Honestly. I've gotten broken up with before the podcast. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and I, we still recorded that night. Dedication. <laughs> but literally, that was a little over a year ago, too, honestly. <laughs> but it's okay. Back to the matter at hand. 
the movie we watched. Kind of an underground one. I'd never heard of it. I had never heard of it until maybe March. Mm-hmm. And then once I like saw it through whatever Twitter channel I found it through, I was like, I need to tell everybody about this. And then people just don't know it. Not to be like, mm-hmm, I know this film and other people don't, because it's one of those like cult classic where it has its own following. I just haven't met anybody else who's already in that like cult following. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee y'all that Meredith is not the person to be, oh, I'm better than you because I've seen movies and you haven't. Because we wouldn't be having this podcast. Right. <laughs> there have been some times, though, I feel like, where you say you haven't seen something and I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, for, give me some examples. Well, no, I can't think of any. <laughs> uh huh. What's a movie you haven't seen? I still haven't seen Titanic. Overrated. And too long. So long. Two VHS tapes. <laughs> what else? Where are some iconic movies? That's what I thought. Anyway. <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind was The Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> I've seen that. I haven't seen it in like 15 years. <laughs> Why did that come into your mind? Oh my god. Anyway, just tell them the movie we watched this week. We watched Night of the Creeps. Yes. A weird horror comedy blend from 1986 by Fred Decker. I remember that because when you read it out loud off the screen, I said... Decker, I hardly know her. <laughs> Which is probably, that format of joke is probably one of the funniest things ever invented. Tissue? I hardly know you. <laughs> I hate that tree. There's a tree outside of my office where we record, and we're on the second floor of this building, and the tree branches are right next to my window, and it's windy tonight, and it went across my window. It's- Frankly, a little scary. It it is it is the second this past time like when it just literally happened right now. <laughs> I accidentally typed "Night of the Living Freaks" whenever we were going to watch this, and didn't come up. <laughs> no, you typed "Night if the Freaks." <laughs> Night of the Freaks. <laughs> Night of the Creeps. <laughs> it fits into our really undead theme for this month of October because it's about the undead. Like Duh. that's pretty much that's pretty like by creeps. They're like zombieoid. They're not actually zombies because they don't in the traditional sense. Right, in the sense of like they didn't get bitten and turn into zombies. It's more of they had a giant space slug shove itself down their throat. They died and then got up again and started killing people. Not really killing them, but shoving slugs down their throat at warp speed. Yeah. it's They kind of just fly out on their own. And then, of course, like in traditional horror movie sense, whenever some strange substance is flying at your face, your first reaction is to just open your mouth. Mm-hmm. If I were there, I simply would not open my mouth. 
rip to everyone in that movie, but I'm different. I mean, <clears throat> Ray had his mouth taped. Until they came and started talking to him and he took the tape off. That was. That's like people who don't wear masks. Oh. Exactly. Oh. <clears throat> I wasn't sure we were going to connect it to the pandemic, to quarantine or anything like that. But dang. Look at me go. Look at you go. Just one step at a time, Meredith. That's all it is. <laughs> but yeah, not necessarily zombie in a traditional zombie way, but still undead, therefore qualifies. Yes. And as Megan said last week, we can do what we want anyway, so. Suck it. <laughs> so, you know, let's get into the plot and Meredith, since I don't remember this movie at all. Even though we watched it, when did we watch it? Tuesday. Yeah, that was... Two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it, and you're always better at plot, so take it away. The plot is... Hmm. How might I say this? Kind of odd. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's one way. Um, it opens in space on these little, like, alien things. Totally weird-looking little dudes, not wearing clothes. On a spaceship. Running from... One of them is holding something, a container of something, and the other one is chasing him. So it's clear that one of them is up to no good, and one of them is trying to stop him. The little tube that he's carrying gets ejected into space, where it miraculously finds its way to Earth. Uh-huh. As... These two college-age kids in the 1950s. It's like 1950-whatever, 59. Mm-hmm. And in this process, in the alien spaceship, we've gone from color and then to black and white when it's the yeah. 50s. Yeah, so it's color in space, black and white in the 50s. These two kids are necking on the, <laughs> like, lookout or, you know. You know how in, like, older movies they've got this, like, spot where people just drive and park their cars and look at the stars or whatever? It was one of those things. And... This cop walks up, and he's trying to break them. Like, they're not, it's nothing. They're just sitting, talking to each other. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Cop comes up, breaks it up, realizes it's his ex-girlfriend, and he's so smitten with her, and she's, like, over it. So he's hurt. She's uncomfortable. They notice this bright streak go across the sky, and, of course, the guy driving the car that she's on the date with, Johnny, um, he's like, let's go check it out, because that's what guys do. So they go out and they find, they look where it is. She stays in the car. He goes into the woods. And as he's looking for this thing, they don't know what it is. And he finds it and he breaks it open and he sees all the little slugs inside. There's a report on the radio. Bear with me. Bear with me. There's a report on the radio that at the exact location where this girl is sitting in the car, there is... A patient from a local mental hospital on the loose with an axe. He's killing people. Axe murderer on the loose. If you ask me, he's a little hot-headed. I don't know what the second part is for. <laughs> I do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was a little embarrassed. We'll come back to that later. So she gets hacked up. Well, it doesn't... Packed up, packed up. <laughs> It doesn't show her getting killed. It's just heavily implied because then it switches. We're back in color. It's 1986. 
these two college kids, these two college guys, are at a frat party. Oh, <laughs> took me on a whirlwind there. Oh, yeah. And it's just the first ten minutes of the yeah. movie. <laughs> Not an exaggeration. So they, he, one of them sees a girl, and he's in love with her at first glance. Ooh. So, naturally, the only way to get closer to her is to pledge a fraternity. They're going to pledge the betas. Mm-hmm. Even though the betas are jerks. Yes. And the lead beta, the frat leader. Frat Brad. <laughs> yeah, Brad. With a personalized vanity plate that says Bradster. <laughs> He's like, if you want to be in our fraternity, you have to pull a pledge prank. And that is going to be you stealing a corpse from the morgue on campus and leaving it on the steps of our rival fraternity house. Um, typically, it's an animal when they do it in real life, which is terrible. But yes, that, that happens. But this is, they're talking about a human. Yeah, a human. At first they thought they were going to have to have sex with an animal. Yeah, don't know why. Because that happens. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's disgusting. Shut down all fraternities. (laughs) Mm. Mm. So, these two guys, Chris and JC, they're going to look for a body. So they're wandering around the science labs... And they come across this one, it's all like keypadded up, and JC hits a random number on the keypad, and it just so happens to be the one that opens the door. And they find a body in cryogenics. Yes. And they defrost it. (laughs) I wouldn't say they. I would say trusty sidekick JC did. Yeah. And so they're like trying to carry it out, and then the hand like twitches, and they drop it and run. They just run. Because, of course, yes. It was terrifying. So, police get called in, and we come upon this guy, this older policeman. Turns out to be the policeman from the night of the axe murderer. And the body that they defrosted was Johnny, who who was the one who found the little space creatures that turn you into a zombie. Yes. This so, is all connected. <laughs> all connected. So, Johnny's body is gone. It's been reanimated. It's killed a couple people. It's on the loose. And it ends up back at the sorority house where the girl he dated in the 50s was in the sorority. And that also happens to be the sorority of the girl who those guys were joining the frat for. Yes. Super complex. (laughs) Um, And so all the girls who live there are, like, freaked out. And then, obviously, the police are involved because who steals a human body? And then... (laughs) The betas do. Apparently. So the girl, her name is Cynthia, she finds out that Brad was behind it, and she's like, I just think we need some space. (laughs) Um, and then she tries to talk to Chris and JC about it, ends up asking Chris to her sorority's formal. Instead of her boyfriend, Brad. Right, they hadn't officially broken up at this point. Don't know why. (laughs) But, yeah, so she's gonna take Chris, JC goes missing. It's not until maybe a day later we found out that he's been got by these things Mm. and then 
Chris, Cynthia, and the detective have to, like, protect the sorority house from all the girls because all of their dates to the formal who were in the betas got got by these things, and they're coming to kill them. They're coming to kill them. It's a mess. And the detective is still haunted by the <laughs> night that his girl, ex-girlfriend was killed by the axe murderer, which was really just added in there so that he would have some kind of trauma. Honestly. That's the only purpose it served. Seriously. So he's like, I killed him excessively, buried him. He's still buried <laughs> under the cottage mother's cottage house. Whatever whatever that woman is supposed to be for the sorority. It's like the house mother, but I think... Yeah, it's like the house mother's cottage or something like that. Yeah, so that thing, those little worm slugs find him. He gets brought back up again. So the detective has to kill him again, and it's just... Well, once he's dead, it's, like, over. Yeah. He was buried with his axe. He came up out of the ground with his axe. Didn't kill anybody. No. Th- yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the movie. I mean... <laughs> they you, it, you lost me. It ends after they kill some... Burn some slugs in the sorority house. <laughs> they, like, burns up the basement, explodes it. And then you see all the slugs slither away to the cemetery and the spaceship in the sky, and it's over. And there's no sequel or anything. (laughs) Nope. Nope. That's it. That's all, folks. If it sounds confusing and full of plot holes based on the way I explained it, yeah. Yeah. Like, I promise you, Meredith explained it perfectly. But it's fun. It is. It's fun. It is. It's visually pretty cool as well. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still stuck on Scream, I guess. We'll get back to this later, though, because I I have... I'll tie it into the other point I wanted to make about, oh. the, about, about the vibe I get from it. Okay, okay. Okay. So, now that you know what happened, let's talk about who it happened to. Yes. The first character we have is Chris. Yes. Chris Romero. He is, well, I you know, I really wouldn't call him the main character of this movie. He's supposed to be the main character, and I can see how it's, like, through that lens of him being the main character, but given the backstory of the detective, I can see how it might also be his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say there's two main stories going on in this. Now, the t- yeah. Yeah. Um, but... He's kind of girl-obsessed. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a freshman in college. He's getting over his high school sweetheart. And he just, you know, wants to fit in. So, of course, you go straight to the fraternity house. Big mistake. Big mistake. (laughs) Well, he's kind of a lost puppy, honestly. Yeah, and that kind of, like clouds his ability to be a good friend mm-hmm, very in much my so. opinion he's very like once he sees this girl tunnel vision yeah tunnel vision yep and poor jc the next character we're going to talk about his friend is just kind of tossed to the wayside pretty quickly yeah when honestly and we talked about this he was probably one of the best characters no, he was the best character. You're right, you're right. You're he right. was funny, fun, bold. Confident. Yeah, which is like, 
I don't know, when you think about 80s movies about dweebs going to college, neither of the characters are usually, like, redeemable in the sense of, like, confidence and, you know, boldness, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They're usually portrayed very stereotype heavy, and they pretty much stay flat for the whole film. He was an exception. He was a dweeb, but also, like, comfortable being a dweeb. Mm-hmm. He wasn't looking to better himself. He was just looking to help his friend out. And be himself. Mm-hmm. And we like that. We like that. He also... I, I thought it was fun how he would wear a shirt, an open button-up overshirt, and a vest. <laughs> he just loved to layer. Also, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, because nobody really mentioned it in the film... But he's on crutches, mm-hmm. like, for the whole film. He can't walk he's on the, his own. Yeah, he's the only physically disabled character in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's just just a detail. There's no, like, purpose for it, which I think is really advanced for this being 1986. Because even today, when you have stories with characters who are disabled, the story is that they're disabled. Mm-hmm. That this wasn't really a storyline. I mean, there was one point when Brad, like, tripped him. Uh-huh. But he could have just as easily tripped or pushed someone over who wasn't on crutches. You know what I mean? hmm So, I don't know. I thought it was, like, kind of an odd thing to include, but I'm glad they did. I think so. Because, like, and I feel like just from what I've seen on Twitter is that the community, they want to see more of that. Not necessarily, yeah. like stories based around the disability mm-hmm. but just their story and I guess odd isn't like I don't mean like oh it's weird that he's disabled I just mean more of like I'm surprised that they chose to include that in the film mm-hmm. especially during that time period yeah yeah like you said it wasn't common mm-hmm. um next we have Cynthia who is the love interest of Chris Cynthia Cronenberg JC is short for James Carpenter Hooper. This will all come into play later, don't worry. So then Cynthia Cronenberg, continue. Cynthia Cronenberg is a love interest of Chris. And she's got that, you know, girl next door vibe, kind of sweet, you know, um, takes up for the little guy, even when her boyfriend is being a jerk to them. And he just blames it on her being a psych major. Exactly. That's crazy. Oh What my does that God. even mean? That's, ugh, ugh, toxic behavior right there. Well, also, I think she just, she wants to be believed because her window is the one where this zombioid person, like, came and pressed his head against it. His head split open. A bunch of worms came out of it. Like, yeah, that's pretty traumatic, and nobody wanted to listen to her about it. So then she sees... Two people who probably understand her feeling of not being seen. So she's kind of, like, drawn to them. Also, like, they were the ones to approach her, which I guess she didn't expect. Mm -hmm. So then she felt that she could trust them more. Even though in her moment of vulnerability with them, Chris was like, yes, getting a hug. Ugh. Ugh. You know what? I'm going to say it. Do it. Do men deserve rights? Not many in this film do. (laughs) 
Yes. Almost no. All, I mean, no. No, they don't, but... Almost every man in this film is motivated by wanting attention from a woman, except for JC. That just shows how powerful women are. Yeah. If I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, JC... Ah. Ah. We'll talk about that later. We will. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Detective Ray. I don't remember his last name, but it does fit into the theme, if you'll be patient until we talk about the theme. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Ray is... The detective character. He was the police officer in the beginning of the film, and then... He was just a rookie at the time of the axe murder, and then he was fueled by revenge. (laughs) To the point where he, like, tracked this guy, this axe murderer, who was not afflicted by the zombie space creatures. He was just an axe murderer. Just a regular Joe Schmo. Um... So he, like, tracked him down in his free time and brutally murdered him in revenge, in cold blood, and buried him on his own. You know what vibes he gave me? The main guy from Top Gun? Have you seen it? (laughs) I was, like, halfway asleep when watching it, but, like, he had a bunch of one-liners and everything. I only know about the beach volleyball scene. Oh, I don't even remember that, honestly. But yeah, he does, Detective Ray does have a lot of one-liners. His his favorite thing to say is they'll, is he'll answer the phone and someone will be like, Detective, whatever. He'll be like, no, Bozo the Clown, thrill me. He doesn't like the obvious questions and he always answers with, thrill me. Yes, even when he wants to see the exploded face of a victim, thrill me. <laughs> It's pretty thrilling to see the exploded face of a victim. No, it is not. (laughs) Speaking of victims, let's talk about Brad. Bradster. (laughs) What a D-bag. Honestly, ugh, the worst. He's the epitome of horrible fraternity stereotypes. Blonde. And he talks like this because he wants to make you feel dumb. Even though he's probably dumb. What's his major? Oh, Drinking? Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty annoying and horrible, and he just has this gang of goons, his little cronies that follow him around and do whatever he says, mm-hmm. har- harassing these two kids who they ask to steal a corpse. They didn't actually end up doing anything. corpse got up and walked away on its own, and they're still like, you did it wrong. Yes, because apparently they dropped it at the wrong house. Like, do you know the difference between whatever Gamma Frat and the whatever Kappa Sorority? Do you know the difference? It's all Greek to me. (laughs) That's literally what he said. Yes. That's funny. That's what I do like about Chris and JC, is that in just about any kind of interrogation from anyone, they always have something like that to say. They're just a bunch of smart Alex. Just a bunch of smart Alex. Yeah. But Brad is one of the ones to go. He and all his frat brothers mm-hmm. get a slug to the throat and then still show up for their dates to the formal. Dead. 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 Oh, and then there's one the the one scene, the really good one, where he knocks on the door, fully zombified, 
And one of the sorority sisters opens it and calls Cynthia down. And she's like, Brad's here. So Cynthia takes him by the hand and sits down next to him on the porch. And she's breaking up with him, not noticing that there are literal slugs falling out of his mouth. Yes, and his eyes are like Dead. ping pong balls. Yes. <laughs> like literally just white and glazed his over. His face is about as white as his hair. <laughs> and she doesn't realize that he's literally dead about to eat her until Chris comes up and is like get away from him <laughs> and then there's the slugs the slugs that we wanted to count as a character or more of an entity really because yeah. they're not personified in any way whatsoever but they're just the means of transportation I guess yeah they're looking for a body to inhabit Mm-hmm. But they're like these long, black, slimy little worms. They look like turds. They squiggle around on the ground and move on their own, seeking whatever, like, source of They look like flesh. turds. Yeah, they do. They look like turds. Yeah. <laughs> and we find out through JC and one of the most depressing scenes oh my ever. God. Don't know if we were planning on talking about that now or later, but we find out through him that they don't like fire and they don't like heat. Similar to the zombies in Night of the Living Dead. That seems to be, like, a running theme for a lot of monsters. I mean, because Frankenstein's monster... Well, anything dead is cold. Oh. Or, like, if you walk into the light, maybe they're scared of walking into the light again. That's more or deeper thing. Or it feels like hell. And oh. they're trying to avoid... They're kind of in, like, a limbo where they're dead, but not in any, like, plane of the afterlife. Oh, Wow. Look at us. Wow. Someone give us English degrees. We know what the blue curtains mean. <laughs> Obviously. Depression. Interior design check. <laughs> Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne. <laughs> but yeah, so the worms, these little like slugs that these little naked aliens were fighting over. God. Can we talk about the alien costumes for just a second? Yes. <laughs> They, I can't tell if they're puppets or people in a costume, but they're, like, weirdly proportioned. Yes, their torsos are really long. Their legs are really, really short. short. Big, big... Ball sack. <laughs> Bulbous heads. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, and then they're this pinky peach like color. Flesh colored. Ugh. Like, I feel like I can see through them. Yeah, they're gross. <laughs> and then and they're wrinkly in weird spots, and it's just... Their butts are out. <laughs> they're doubled. Man, let, hold up, hold up. I cannot believe I forgot about this. They're, like, running down the hallway. There's nothing to look at. <laughs> Except booty cheeks. Let me tell <laughs> you... puppet butt. These aliens were thick. And for what? For what? Who who created those costumes? Who? They had no business looking like that. Tell me why. Megan's talking because I'm losing my mind right now. (laughs) They were just double cheeked up. The first time I saw it, I didn't know this was an alien movie. I thought it was a zombie movie. So when it opens up on these... (laughs) creatures in space it's just like 
Where am I? Booty in space. <laughs> Ooh, lost in booty. <laughs> Why did I think you were going for the Muppets pigs in space? <laughs> I don't know. Cause... They did kind of look like... Oh, no, they were Muppet Pig colored. <laughs> that, like, pinkish color. Yeah. We only see them in that opening scene. Never again. Never again. Never again. The we only see time... their spaceship. Yeah. At the very, very last shot of the film, but that's it. That's literally it. But what we mean by all of that is that this movie has Everything. everything. If you were trying to please a crowd of people who all vaguely like horror comedy as a genre, this is guaranteed to be a hit. This movie has everything. Aliens. Dream sequences. College. Formals. One-liners. Cops. Zombies. Axe murderers. And of course... Corpse theft. <laughs> Attention. If you or a loved one has <laughs> if you if you or a loved one has been have been corpse thefted, you may be eligible for financial compensation. If you'd like to be included in the class action lawsuit against against corpse thieves everywhere, Call the number on your screen. Again, if you or a loved one has been corpse-thefted, you may be eligible for financial compensation. If you'd like to be included in the class action lawsuit against corpse thieves everywhere, call the number on your screen. 1-800-BODY-GONE. <laughs> for a free consultation and information packet, please call 1-800-BODY-GONE. <laughs> Don't put the E. It's just G-O-N. 1-800-BODY-GONE. You know... I wonder what would happen if we called that number. <laughs> I don't want to call an 800 number. <laughs> no, no, no. But, like I said, I did not remember this movie until... What made it forgettable? Because, based on the description, it should be one you remember forever. I mean, I don't think I'll forget it, but I forgot it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly don't know why I forgot about this movie. I just forgot. Because it was fun to watch. It was, and I liked it. I didn't, it was It okay. was kind of slow in the beginning. That's what it was. But once you get to where everybody's, like, dressed up for the prom, or, like, for the formal, it's not prom, but the formal, then it kind of picks up, and it gets to be that more, like, beloved 80s, cheesy, classic, a one-liner every other <laughs> line, you know? Ugh. Like, what movie could we relate it to? It was kind of like The Burbs. Kind of similar to The Burbs. Yeah, but not that stylized. In some ways, it had that stylized Tim Burton feel. And when when they were doing, like, 50s, the 50s sequence mm -hmm. did have that sort of, like, caricature stylized. But the 80s part of the film... Not so much. It just it was felt almost like 90s. It just felt well. It was nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. It just felt like a college party movie mm -hmm. that also happened to have corpse theft and, and zombies and axe murder <laughs> and a cop. 
and detectives and a spaceship. <laughs> we could go on for a long time. And worms. <laughs> Explosions. But, even explosions. Yes, they had an explosion. They blew up the sorority house. <laughs> but anyway, from the basement, like the burbs. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, you had kind of mentioned that plot points weren't even really needed at times, and I agree. I feel like it's not really that the plot points weren't needed; it's just that there weren't plot points. There are plot holes. Every, yeah. Like the 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 red the red thread that connects everything that happened is so loosely thrown up there. Yeah, like somebody like just took a ball of yarn, undid it, threw it at a wall of pushpins. And there you go, that's the movie. That, really, it really is, but it works. Uh, I think it works. When you when you sit down and you try to think about okay, now why was there an axe murderer and you can't come up with an answer, doesn't matter. Because In my opinion. It happened. It, yeah, it happened. You why can't do take things, it back. Why do things happen? Don't know. Red thread? Red thread? That's all it is. Is there a red thread theory? I don't know. Well, there should be. I don't know what that is. Loose ball of yarn theory. We're making it up right now. There you go. It's a loose ball of yarn. In addition to our English degrees, we will also be honorary whatever you get a degree in for theorizing. Pol not politics, philosophy. We are so smart, you guys. <laughs> I, I actually have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> I'm about 15 hours away from a bachelor's degree. So we're pretty darn smart. Yeah, some we're of the some of the smartest people you probably ever meet. So yeah. Um, mm. So <laughs> sorry, losers and haters. Yeah, we can't our, see them. Our IQs are one of the highest. At least 80. Maybe 90. Yes. I don't even know what it is. it 112? Like it's the most you can get? Or is that average? Oh, I just assumed the higher the better. I didn't know there was a cap. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay, Albert Frankenstein. This movie was supposed to be that cheesy. Because it was an homage, a homage, to cheesy horror films that preceded it. What ex okay, because I'm trying to think of some cheesy horror films. There's a few, but not necessarily like that. Mm -hmm. So what? which ones are you talking about? Like, give me some examples. You ever watch The Twilight Zone? Yeah. And you know how, like, the black and white episodes and everything's kind of, like, chromium, rounded? That's how the beginning, like, 50s sequence of this film was. Mm -hmm. And then it still had that same kind of, like... We're living in a twilight zone of our own, kind Ooh. of. Um, and I know that's not a film, but it definitely referenced a lot of older... I say older. They were still active, like, at the time of this movie. But um, all the characters' names, in some way, reference the director. You have Chris Romero, referencing George Romero, who did Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. You have James Carpenter Hooper. Hello? John Carp... No. Yeah, sorry. I get the I get John Carpenter and all the Wesses in the film industry <laughs> kind of mixed up sometimes. So John Carpenter, um, and then Hooper is a reference to the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Cronenberg was also a director. He Sid did like a, Shatter, I think. It, that one might have been one. Shivers or something like Shatter, yeah, something Shivers, like that. Something like that. But yeah, and there's more. But like obvious, 
they all like have some kind of tie to other really noticeable, like notable, not noticeable, but notable filmmakers in the same industry. And I don't know, I feel like although it wasn't exactly like another horror film that you would watch from the time, if you think about just the sheer outrageousness of it all, the plot holes, the one-liners, just the premise of the whole film, and then look at a movie like Evil Dead and the sheer outrageousness and plot holes and one-liners of it all, especially when you get into like Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, it's just that same kind of like overall like they're in the same bubble without necessarily like overlapping each other i think what i didn't like about it was the look of the movie i didn't like really yeah i see i disagree because i get sleepover vibes from it really my first film love were movies from the 80s so that look that whole like decade that era of film is just very like I I don't know I hate to be like oh it's so nostalgic because I wasn't there Mm -hmm. I was about 20 years too late (laughs) maybe more than that don't know anyway math what is it don't know so I mean I don't know I just I feel like thinking about all of these high like sleepovers that I went to in junior high high school even as far back as spring break like of this year (laughs) That's the kind of era where we pulled our favorite movies from. So watching this just gives off those same vibes and it just has this like tangible, like, aw, me and my friends would love this kind of feel to it. I think because I've found that I like more of the 70s look and maybe kind of the early thousands look mm-hmm. of movies. See, and that's interesting because horror movies from the 70s freak me out because that's where it was crazy. That's where they were really trying to push some boundaries. Every every time I see a horror movie from the 70s and I think, "Oh, maybe I should watch that." I'm like, "Hmm. No." And then of course you get like to the later 70s and that's when like Halloween comes out. Halloween carry you know those kinds of movies like aren't so bad right but man there was a lot of experimental stuff in the 70s so i'm like keep away and like i totally just forgot what i was gonna say i like the rest of the 70s though the music and the television the not horror films but (laughs) there's just some stuff that i just won't put my hands and i don't know i i could be like i guess ignorant would be a good word because I don't know as many films as you, but what I've found is 70s has that, like, grainier look. Mm, mm -hmm. 80s. It starts crisping up a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... It's still kind of soft in the 90s. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I know what you mean. It starts to fade away into the clearer image in the 80s, which I guess... I don't know. Because then I think of, like... Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire, and those were both really soft movies. A lot of the John Hughes type of films, the dramedy, romance types, were all still pretty soft, so I don't know. We might have to watch more 80s movies, because I feel like we've been, like, way early stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just did 1968 a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
Sorry. Sorry for party rocking. It was an excellent film, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> so, please tell us your favorite quote. The good news is, your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. That's the I, I watched the trailer for this film. Thought, puff, it's just another zombie prom movie. Who needs it? He said that line, and I was like, okay. You got me. Kind of funny. We'll rent and watch. And I did, with my friends at a sleepover. And it was just the perfect vibe. That's very Ash. Yeah, a lot of the one-liners, very Ash. Ash was like the king. Hail to the king, baby. Of one-liners. Groovy. 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 Anyway. Remember him? Remember when we had Evil Dead movies to watch? We still... We will have one in the future. Evil Dead Takes Manhattan. What? That's not the official name, but from what I've heard, it will take place in a skyscraper in some downtown cityscape. So we've got the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. That's not really a, a remake so much as a reboot that exists in the same universe. Mm. And then in a year or so, or a year or two, or however long, we'll have... I haven't even seen the 2013 one. Me neither. So we still have them anyway. We still do have them anyway. I'm not a fan of the reboot stuff. I'm very hesitant to watch it. I get that, but... Groovy, gro- groovy Bruce. Bruce Campbell's not in it. That's his Twitter handle, by the way. Bruce Campbell's not in it. He's not. Who's Ash? Nobody? I don't think they have an Ash because it's just like existing simultaneously as the Evil Dead from 1981, only it's 2013. That's weird. Yeah, it's not like a true, true remake. Kind of like how Halloween that came out in 2018 was a direct sequel to 1978 and like ignored all the movies in the middle. Which worked if you're like me and you've only seen the first one because you hate sequels. I really need to find a new genre because <laughs> sequels are so prevalent in horror films. They are. They really are. I mean, there's like what, 13 of each, right? Right. <laughs> but not a sequel for Night of the Creeps. Hmm. Honestly, I'm glad that. about it. I am too. They would have ruined it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would have ruined something that is already so actually perfect. And I think that's almost probably part of the humor. Yeah, because then, it opens the door for a sequel. But it's like, haha, nope, JK. Stupid. Ha <laughs> 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 So, we talked about, the day we watched it, we talked about what we would rate it. Mm-hmm. I forgot to log in on Letterboxd, but I told you what I rated it. Yeah. And so, I mean, what did you think about it, though? I think it is so fine-tuned to my personal taste in film. If there was a movie that encapsulated my personality, it would probably be this one. Because I feel like the problematic elements that are present are at a much lower scale Mm. than a lot of other horror movies. Like, if you look at The Evil Dead, there's that scene with the tree that is highly problematic yeah that you almost have to like warn people when you're watching it that it's about to happen this movie 
didn't really have that, I guess. It, I mean, obviously, parts of it, sure, didn't age well. Mm-hmm. That's just because it was 1989, and now it's 2020. But the problematic elements, I feel like, are at a much smaller scope. So that makes the rest of it more enjoyable. You don't have to think so much of, like, oh, I'm watching an outdated movie. Because mm-hmm. really not. And, like, the, I, don't, I don't think this is making sense, and it's not no, sounding good. No, no, I th- I, I think I understand what you're saying. Like, it can apply to a lot because it's so vague in a way. Yeah. Because, like, trying to think of what in it might be problematic, there's some boob shots. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But that's obligatory in horror films for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I I can do without it, personally. Yeah. But it happens. It's, I mean, other than that, though, it's not graphic. Not at all. Well, well the, the head, head split open, yeah. But we had previously, like, before we watched this, we had watched Friday the 13th, which mm-hmm. is, like, incredibly graphic in multiple different ways. I actually didn't see anyone killed because we were playing Among Us. Yeah. But we did, unfortunately, <laughs> see a certain scene with Kevin Bacon that we all diverted our eyes immediately. Disgusting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting! <laughs> really? <laughs> this movie wasn't like that at all. Mm-mm. It was just a fun 80s movie. That felt like an 80s movie that was also feeling like a 50s movie without the boringness of a 50s movie. Anyway, to make a long story short, I like this film because it reminds me of nights with my friends, like in high school or whatever. I did not peak in high school. I don't miss high school. I miss those nights. Where we would stay up all night and watch movies and eat junk food in pitch dark. And this is the perfect movie for that. I feel like I'm really getting on a tangent. But you like it, so it's cool. I don't have a super vast knowledge of it or anything, but (laughs) I might someday. I don't know. I feel like I I definitely liked it more than you. And I probably definitely liked it more with other people I've watched it with. But I don't know. It's just one of those, like, wacky little things that I can just latch on to really well. I mean, I don't mind it, but it's definitely not my favorite. Um, I don't know. Like, it just didn't... The only person that really did anything for me was JC, you know. Can we talk about his death for a second? Yes, please. So he wanders away from Chris and Cynthia to give them a moment of privacy while she asks him to the formal. And he goes into this bathroom and he's just hiding out in a stall. And then the janitor comes in and collapses to the floor, all these little things scurry out of his head. So JC's like, oh no, oh no, this is bad. So he sees the little slugs, he can't really move because he can't walk so he's kind of like definitely trapped in the bathroom stall yeah so he sees a like a matchbook on the ground and he reaches over and like picks it up and he lights the matchbook on fire throws it down and it like one of the slugs catches on fire and he's like okay I know what to do so he sees that it burns and he gets up and like 
crawls on his belly out of the bathroom. He is too late. And they get him. And then you don't see, like, you don't actually, like, see him die. But you know. Mm. You know. So then, like, a day or two later, Chris, who's also his roommate, is like, has anybody seen this guy? Where is he? Bad friend. Bad friend. Mm -hmm. And he goes into their room, into their dorm, and he's find, he finds his, like, Walkman tape player um, on his desk, and he listens to it, and it's the, like, saddest recording. I, I, I hate that I laugh when I shouldn't be laughing. It's a nervous laughter. It is. It is so sad, because you had seen, like, previously, they're getting into arguments with each other, where JC basically says, everything I do, I do to help you and to make you happy, because you have a chance at things, and I don't. Oof. So then you get this tape recording that's like, they got me. I'm dying. I might actually be dead because I have no pulse. I'm in the basement by the radiator. And I just wanted to leave this to you so I could say goodbye. And also, like, warn him about, like, the heat and the fire and everything. But it's, it's genuinely very sad. He was selfless. Absolutely. And Chris was selfish. And that's usually the way it goes, I guess. The selfless ones never make it. Don't know what you got till it's gone. It's very sad. Paid paradise, put up a parking lot. I was singing that last night. <laughs> but anyway, it definitely creates a dynamic between them where you can tell one of them is much more invested in the relationship. Like, even just as, like, friend's relationship than the other one is. Mm-hmm. And so what would you rate it? Overall? Mm-hmm. You're going to be mad at me. I, I have a feeling I know what it's going to be. I am going to rate it four and a half. Mm-hmm. Four and a half. Oh, what did I say the other night? Oh, I don't remember. Why can't I never just think of a unit off the top of my head? Four and a half. Science class brains out of five because for some reason they just had a bunch of science project brains for dissection in the basement of the sorority house. We didn't talk about that ending either. There's too much. <laughs> there really There's is. Honestly, so, too I mean, much. I know we said that the they explode the house, they blow it up from the basement, but you had predicted that the detective was going to just like walk, walk out. out all charred and burned up at the end. And he did. Oh, yeah. Before immediately falling over and his head busting open and a bunch of little worms crawling out. Yeah, because I totally thought he was going to make it. Could we call this a pandemic? Because... Yeah. It's transferred well, between people. So, like, he gets them all isolated, all quarantined, and he's going to burn the whole house down and get rid of all of them. But he breaks the quarantine and goes out so that he can try to live, thus spreading them to the cemetery where a much larger group of vulnerable old people are going to get it. And by vulnerable old people, I mean corpses. Corpse theft. Not to say old people are all corpses. I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. She meant it. No. She meant it. Cancel her. Hate it here. Dox it. <laughs> you know where I live. Please don't. I don't. Well, yeah, I do, actually. I know where you live, so I will dox you right back. <laughs> If we get 100 listens on this episode, Megan and I will post our addresses on the internet. 
No, we will not. <laughs> yes, we will. No. And if we get 200, I'll give you Megan's phone number. Only if they're cute. But I get to decide who's cute and who's not. So what's your rating? What's your rating? My rating is, I'd say, two and a half turd worms out of five turd worms. Should we have told people that we were going to spoil this movie completely for them? I guess that's pretty much a given since it's... An 80s movie? Yeah, like over 30 years old. Or maybe not We spoil every movie we talk about. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. That's the fun part about a film podcast. You can just say whatever you want. And if somebody listens to it and gets spoiled, it's frankly on them. Because you know why? Suck it. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends. Join us next week for oh, our oh, special finale. finale of Really Undead, Dawn of the Dead. Bum, bum, bum. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Oh, what year was that made? 2013? No, 1970-something. Oh. See, I knew it. I knew it was 1970-something. It wasn't. I think I'm thinking of, did you already say Dawn of the Dead? That's the one we're watching. I think there's a remake. There's a remake. There's definitely a I think Liam Neeson is in it or something stupid. You flinched. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have have siblings. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on social media. You know where to find us. Twitter, the Instagram we don't use, the email that's growing cobwebs. (laughs) And if you don't remember... It's R E E L Y P O D C A S T. Really podcast. <gasps> My heart. Never doing that again. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. We had a good time talking about this movie. Went on some pretty crazy tangents. Stopped making sense for a little while. But had to cut some out. Had to cut out about fifteen minutes of sheer laughter. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> If you haven't seen this movie and are interested in watching it, we did rent it on Vudu. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cheap, maybe two ninety nine. Yeah. Um, worth the watch, in my opinion. Better with a group. Yeah. Movies, movies like this by yourself kind of suck. But yeah. with people, do it. Fun to laugh at. Fun to have fun with. And, uh, yeah. If you watch it, let us know at our aforementioned social media. Yes. Yes. At R E L P O D C A S T. Really, podcast. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I hate it here. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Really? It scared me.
the tears are all here. <laughs> now you have to do a Mickey impression. <laughs>